Hello and welcome to this another edition of Words from the Word of God. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our message today carries us into the book of Revelation chapter 1. Uh, wonderful book. Uh, it's the last book of the Holy Bible that we have. Last words from our Lord and Savior and our great God to our hearts. And this love letter, which I often refer to as the Word of God, is his love letter to us. Uh, you know, full of his promises. And we know, as we have said many times, he is faithful to all of his promises. You know, a lot of times we just need to pray for an increased faith, you know, that he would help our unbelief, our heart of unbelief many times. But let's read this together. And like I, like always, uh, I ask that if you have your Bibles, that you would open them up to the book of Revelation, chapter one. If you don't, pause the broadcast if you're at home and grab them and let's read along together. And if you're traveling and in the car, wherever you might be, and you're listening to this message, just listen closely to the word of God, for there are always blessings contained therein. Uh, we'll say that today's message speaks to uh, believers, uh, born-again believers, that is, uh, and it speaks a good message to our hearts today, a great and remarkable message to our heart today, because it gives us uh, a, somewhere to look when all things are going wrong, when the outlook is so bleak. We must remember the outlook. When the outlook is so bleak, we must always remember the outlook. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. That means soon come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his by his angel unto his servant John, speaking of the apostle John, the author of the gospel of John and the three epistles of John, first, second, third John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he, John, saw. Listen to verse 3. We're talking about blessings, about reading the Word of God. But listen what it tells us here, verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. The time is at hand. You know, as we read this and we start to read the book of Revelation here, we must understand that there's no other time, I don't believe in my heart, in the history of mankind, that we are so near to the return of Christ, to call out the church, to rapture out the church, snatch us out of here. I believe that is soon to come as I look around us today and it's so hard to find hope anywhere. It's so hard to find and it seems like uh, righteousness is losing on every hand and evil has become good and good has become evil and the, the love of many has grown cold and and, and therefore iniquity is it, when it's abounding so all the love has grown cold of many people and that's what Jesus said would happen but it says right here blessed that means happy that means content that means settled in our hearts is he that readeth. 
and they that hear the words of the prophecies and keep that means we take them in we just don't let it go in one ear and out the other we take it into our hearts and we hold on to it and we stand upon it keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand as we see the day drawing nearer and nearer we should keep it more and more in our hearts and we see already that if we read it and we hear it that we're being blessed already Verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us listen to this latter part of verse 5 unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto god and his father to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever amen Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Verse 7 speaks of none other than his visible second return when he will come to the earth, and he will set up his millennial reign here on earth, his thousand-year reign, his kingdom here on earth. What a day that's going to be. That does not speak of the rapture of the church. That speaks that the rapture of the church is not a visible return. This speaks of his second coming, the visible coming, where it says right here, every eye shall see him. And those that pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. So they shall see him because they have done nothing but reject him and his gospel and the grace of God. Then verse 8, I am. I love the I am statements of Jesus Christ in the gospel of John recorded there. But listen here. I think it's very wonderful that John records those in his gospel and then he follows it up here it's so wonderful I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the ending saith the Lord which is and which was and which is to come the almighty listen to what John says right here I John who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom of patience of Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, again, verse 11, listen to this. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the, set, the churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You know, I cringe. It makes me cringe when I hear the prosperity gospel which is being preached from many pulpits today. Many televangelists are preaching the prosperity gospel on TV and leading many astray. And they say, if you would only accept Jesus, 
Christ, you will have nothing but great prosperity concerning everything that you deal with, including and not limited to your health and your wealth. Or they go even further and say the holier that you live, according to your works, the holier that you live and the more money you give to this ministry, the richer you will become. If you plant a seed, that seed will grow. And it goes on and on and on with the false doctrine. And it's completely against the everything that is in Scripture about the true Christian walk. Those true born-again believers that walk for the Lord and have the, the, the spirit in their hearts and they walk and trust me, it is not a smooth road without any hills and valleys. We all experience th troubles and trials and tribulations. I want to look at this right here in verse 9 and, and we'll look at this and, and, and I want to give you this and leave you with this thought. When the, outlook, when the outlook is bleak, remember the uplook. John says right here in verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother. So we know right away that John is speaking to believers, born again believers. And I think it's, well, let's, we'll get into that in a minute. And companion in tribulation. In tribulation. Did you hear that? Companion in tribulation. Tribulation here means trouble. That word defined here is to press or to pressing or something being pressed together or pressure. It's a metaphor for oppression, affliction, trouble, distress, and it stands for the utmost trouble. So John is telling us here that he as a brother and companion in tribulation. So he automatically sets the stage for the true believer's life that is in Christ and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. That tells us again and signifies right there what he's talking about by virtue of the new birth, the spiritual birth, which places the sinner in Christ he is likewise to the kingdom of God. This is not the millennial kingdom he's speaking of here. That has not yet been established, nor is he speaking of the great tribulation. No, John is speaking of the tribulation that he and the believers at that time were in. John himself had been uh, exiled to the Isle of Patmos. It's about so many miles southwest of the uh, Asia Minor coast, and it is a penal colony. It was a Roman penal colony at that time. Domitian, in about AD, AD 86 to 96, had sent John, or, or in a, well, he ruled from AD uh, 86 to 96, but he had tortured 
these believers, the Roman authorities had tortured the, John and these believers for their belief in Jesus Christ and tortured John even more as he did as they did all the other apostles for preaching the gospel and teaching others about Christ and having faith in Christ. John himself, as he is writing this very letter or this very record here in the book of Revelation, this unveiling of Jesus Christ, finds himself on a rocky, barren landscape. It's about 60 miles square, and it's very, uh, very harsh atmosphere at that time. It is a penal colony of Rome. That means he was in prison, exiled to a prison island where he has been given this revelation. But we must see this in our true Christian walk. We are not guaranteed easy. We are not guaranteed that it's a bed of roses. As a matter of fact, Jesus in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, uh, verse 33, and I'll, I want to turn there just a second. He says right here, and he's talking to his, his disciples at this time. He says, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace in the world. Listen what he says. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Folks. What is John telling us here? Not only will we experience tribulation, not only, and I think it's interesting that John is writing to the believers and, and he's writing to the churches, the seven churches there in Asia, and it's mentioned here in verse 11, all of them, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. He is writing to fellow believers that have been scattered abroad. They have been scattered from the Roman province, throughout the Roman province, into these areas because of the persecution, the great persecution that they were suffering for the preaching of the gospel and their belief in Christ. Any time that we accept Christ as our Savior, Christ just said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. He didn't say, oh, you, in this world, I am going to give you health, wealth, and prosperity. I am going to make your life just as fine as it can be, and I'm going to give you everything you want. That is not what he said. What did he say? Let's read this verse again. John 16, 33, because I think I missed part of it. These things have I spoken unto you that in me, what did he say? That in me you might have peace. And in me, you might have peace. But in the world, now, though at the same time as they are, his disciples are in him, that means they are born again. That's talking about being born again. This is what happens when we're born again. And we're born, sinner, we're born again sinners into the kingdom of God. He says, in the world, you will have tribulation, but in me, I will give you peace. I would like to turn over to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Give me just a second to turn there. John, chapter 14, verse 27, I believe it is. Turn over in your Bibles if you have them with me. John, chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
folks, we are not guaranteed easy. There is nothing in the Word of God that tells us that our life will be all prosperity and all good health and all good wealth. And the holier that we live is the richer we will be. No, the holier we live, the more we live according to God's word, yes, we will be rich. We'll be spiritually rich. And those spiritual riches are an eternal riches. Those are eternal in the heavens. I tell you what, but we are not promised easy. This nothing of this life in the Christian walk that I have found since I was saved since the latter part of 2004 and I was called into the ministry in 2005, I have not experienced easy. I suffer daily with 24-7 every second of every day debilitating migraine headaches. I have my third brain tumor. I have had uh, 10 brain operations in the years that, I, that since I've got my first brain tumor in 1998. But I gave my life to the Lord in 2004, and it has not been a bed of roses. It's been many valleys, many mountains. But there's one thing that we need to see here. Yes, even though we have tribulation, and even though we have great persecution as these uh, believers and John had here, even as he's on this penal colony, penal island of the Roman Empire, and he's sent there by Domitian, who tried to kill him many times, by the way. But we must see something. Who do we turn to? You see, when the outlook gets bleak, we must remember the uplook. Because when we uplook, that causes us to look up to Jesus, our Savior. And what does he say? I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. The Lord, which saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty. Not only that, but I want to read verse 5, the latter part. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Folks, and I'm speaking to believers today. I know this. I'm speaking to born-again believers. Listen, it doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is there. He is the one who gives us strength. What did he tell his disciples? What did he tell his disciples there in John chapter uh, 16, verse 33? These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Apart from Christ, there is no peace. And you know, what I'm saying here, if he, can, if he can wash our sins away, now our sin, we know that sin, the wages of sin is death. So we were under the penalty of death. And he washed all that away by his precious blood when we placed our faith in him and his cross and his sacrifice there. If he can wash that away and save us from an eternal hell, how can he not? What restricts him from helping us through any other circumstance and tribulation or persecution that we may face as we walk with him through this life? There is nothing. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega, the beginning and the ending. That means he is the beginning of the faith. Not a personal faith, but all faith. He is the one we place our faith in. John is saying here that I have heard from the Lord. I was in the Spirit. Where are we at when we receive Christ? The Spirit lives inside our heart. 
The person and presence of Christ resides in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are continually walking in the Spirit in Christ. He said, in me ye shall have peace. That's where our peace comes from, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and ending of our faith. And let me tell you something. He says right there in verse 8, which is and which was and which is to come. So there is no ending. There is no beginning with Christ. He is eternal Son of God. He is God himself, and he was God in the flesh. And he is the eternal Son of God who is seated at the right hand of majesty on high, the Almighty. And if we place our faith in the Almighty, there is nothing that he cannot help us overcome. Do we Are we guaranteed prosperity? Yes, spiritual prosperity. Paul speaks of the riches, the spiritual riches that we have in Christ. So many times, I believe he says, in Christ, in him, in whom, he says, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin by his blood there. And I think it's Ephesians 1-7, but he talks about all the other spiritual riches that we have in Christ there in Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, chapters 1, Ephesians, cha Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. I invite you to read them. He tells us about all the spiritual riches that we have in Christ. That's the prosperity. That's the prosperity that matters. All this monetary stuff that we have here on earth does not matter. One of these days it's going to be burned up and it'll be nothing but ash. The only thing that matters is our eternal soul is saved and is placed in Christ. And therefore we can have peace. But I also want you to know something right here. Let's look at verse 2. He said, Who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed be he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. Uh, for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace. Listen. Listen to the pattern here. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. That's the pattern of peace right there. Once you experience grace and you have Christ in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, the peace comes in. And it doesn't matter what circumstance, what tribulation, what trial, just as John being in prison on the Isle of Patmos and just as these believers that were scattered to the seven churches there in Asia, they were in great persecution under the Roman authority. Under the governor Domitian from 86, 80, 96, 80, 86 to 8096, and even under the Roman Empire, they suffered great persecution. Many were put to death because of the cause of Christ, because of their faith in Christ, and for preaching the gospel. The, the apostles that were sent out with the gospel all were martyred except John. John's the only one that died of old age. But let me tell you something all that persecution, John says, hey, I can rest in Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. He is the beginning of my faith, of all faith, and including my faith, and he is the ending of my faith in eternity. Can you imagine John's testimony? He walked with Jesus here on earth. He saw his crucifixion, and praise God, he saw his resurrection.
He witnessed him as the resurrected Savior. He preached the gospel with all authority by the power of the Holy Spirit that was given given to him that day and the other uh, apostles there, the day of Pentecost. He saw the church born. He saw Christ work through the Holy Spirit in hearts throughout the known world at that time. He had taught in those churches. He had been persecuted much and much and much. Yet he still is glorifying his Christ here. He is still glorifying Jesus in the middle midst of all the persecution that it was under. Because why? What did he say here in verse 5? Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him, what did he say? To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In Christ is where it rests. In Christ is where our peace is. In Christ is where our eternal hope is. It's not a hope like you have here on earth that we something may happen that we won't happen. No, our hope is based in Christ and we know that what we we expect it to happen because it's in Christ. It's not in anything else of this world. It's in Christ and Christ alone. Oh, what a blessing. No matter what you face today, uh, Christian friend, brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what we face, Christ is still on the throne. He is the Almighty. He is the beginning and the end. He is the one that is and was and is to come. And he's coming soon. I believe he's coming to rapture us out of here soon. One day soon we will be with him in glory and we will behold his glory i think of his prayer there in john chapter 17 when he said father i will that those you have given me will be with me where i am that they may behold my glory john in his first epistle chapter 3 says we know not yet what we are but when we see him we will be like him for we shall see him as he is, and we will see him in all his glory. Paul, and I'll close with this verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul said about sufferings, he said, For I reckon that the sufferings, did you notice that sufferings, not singular, plural, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Why are we glorified at all? Because we're in Christ and in him and in the grace of God is where our peace lies, no matter what we face. I pray and I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And I pray that this will help someone who is going through troubles and trials and tribulation and persecution today. We all go through the valleys. We all go through the mountains, but we have him to walk through those valleys and carry us through many times. We can't go on. We climb the mountains many times. We can't go on. He carries us over to the other side or carries us up on top of the mountain. We don't shout and because we've overcome the trial or tribulation in him that we had to go through. And we found out that we placed and we, when our outlook got bleak, we uplook to him and he carried us through. Thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to the next time that we can share and a word from the word of God. God bless.